I'm going to look at the things that are awesome about me and I'm going to pull all those things into my business and ignore all this other noise out here because all this other noise out here is just a distraction and keeping me from walking in my greatness. And oh my goodness, when I started to recognize that, I realized I don't have to build my business like everybody else. I can build my business my way with the skills that I have with my personality and people are going to be drawn to that. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. This is your host, Dr. Lindsay Padilla. Today, I have Dr. Gertrude Nantra with us, or G for short. And her and I are actually local. I met her at a little conference that is down the street for me, which you'll hear a little bit about. But uh, she's in San Diego. So it's been really nice to make a new friend in the area, connect with a fellow academic, a fellow entrepreneur, and to have her on to be able to tell her story. I think you're really going to connect with a lot of what she has to talk about. Um, some of the very common themes that we've been hearing about the PhD, um, you know, having a certain meaning and prestige. Um, she is an African immigrant and her family, she comes from a family of educators, but education has always been really important in her family. So when her postdoc funding ran out, just to give you a little taste, uh, when her postdoc funding ran out in February, she felt confident that the side business that she had been building uh, was going to be enough for her to not have to look for another job. Um, and so we're talking to her a couple months in from that very you know pivotal moment in her life. So to hear what she was thinking about that process... Um, you know, what is going through her head emotionally, physically, mentally, I mean, all the things uh, was really a gift. And so I, I definitely hope you enjoy this conversation because she inspired me to be thinking about how we think about side hustles and why they're so important. But not only that, just to be thinking about what it means to... Um, what it means to walk away from something that means a lot to other people and how strong we have to be to be able to make that decision. So it's a really wonderful conversation. So I really hope you guys enjoy this one. All right, everybody. Welcome, Dr. Gertrude Nantra. Yay. I'm so glad you're here, Gertrude. Yay. Yay. <laughs> we met a couple here, of Dr. months Lindsay. ago. Yeah, yeah. We we met a couple months ago, actually, at a like a I don't know. How would you describe Pat Flynn's little meetup situation? It's an, it's an entrepreneurial meetup, right? Yeah. Because it's just a bunch of um, San, uh, entrepreneurs in San Diego that meet up each month and we kind of have like a mastermind, you know, discussion style, like if anybody's having trouble. So yeah, that's, that's how we met. And we kind of hit it off because we realized we were both in academia. Yeah. 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 I, I had a friend bring me there and I was just excited because we moved up the block. I mean, it's a five minute walk for me. So when she was mm -hmm. like, yeah, Pat Flynn hosts this little meetup, you should come. And I was like, um, yes. And then mm -hmm. I, I, so that was my first one I'd ever been to. And, um, I, I got to introduce myself. So I think that's also part, I think I, I got into this little thing about, um, running a podcast and called academics mean business. And so you and Chelly both who are going to be on, um, you're in my batch of recordings. Uh, we both met there. So we're actually local. So that also, I think with entrepreneurship, it's so important to have people that you can meet with locally too, because it can be such an isolating, um, experience running a business. So, yes. you know, having local friends and having meetups like that, I think is so important to add to my experience, at least as an entrepreneur. Yep. Yep. Awesome. yep absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Gertrude. Well, I am so glad you're here and I'm glad we get to hang out once a month, even though we haven't been in the last two months, but uh, I plan on going in July. So hopefully you're, you'll get, I plan too. on being there too. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I plan on being there too. Awesome. So um, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your academic background? Give us, give us a, you know, the, the rundown of your CV, if you will, where you went to school, mm -hmm. what you studied, um, you know, and what you're up to now that has to do with academia. 
Right. So um, I graduated from college. Um, actually, I went to Edinburgh University, which is not in Edinburgh, Scotland, but in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, that's um, tricky. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I, every time I introduce, I say, oh, I went to Edinburgh. They're like, oh, you, you were in Scotland. I'm like, no, that's not the one in Scotland. So, so I always have to, <laughs> I always have to verify, uh, like clarify. Um, so yes, I graduated in t- 2006 with a bachelor's degree in biology. Hmm. And then um, in 2000. 2007, I went ahead and got a second bachelor's in nursing, um, which I finished in uh, 2008. And I really loved nursing and I practiced nursing for a while, but I knew ultimately that's not where I wanted to stay as much as I enjoyed it. And I knew I wanted to um, you know, teach. I wanted to, um, I really like to talk to people. I really like mm. to explain things to people. And, you know, my mom was a teacher. My dad was a, a university professor. So it kind of runs in the blood mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. wanting, for wanting to teach. And so I thought a PhD was going to be the path for me because my dad also has a PhD. So I went ahead and, um, went to grad school in 2009 and finished that up in 2015. Nice. Um, and I think the, uh, you know, I'll probably talk about that later on. I think the whole struggle with whether I was, I really wanted to teach or really wanted to stay in academia really started in grad school. Mm. Um, but I think like, like most PhDs out there, um, we just kind of like say, okay, I'm going to, tr- I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to finish this. And so, you know, I made it through and I, I finished in, in 2015. And I thought that perhaps doing a postdoc would um, make me fall in love with academy. Um, and so, and so I further, um, moved out from Philadelphia. I went to Temple university for my PhD, by the Mm. way. And so that was out in Philly. And once I was done with that, I moved to San Diego to do my postdoc. Um, and the postdoc was great. I had a really good boss. I had really good coworkers, um, however, just, I think in February, we found out that due to lack of funding, our jobs would be ending. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, a lot of academics do have stories about funding and, um, you know, money not being available to do research anymore. And so losing their jobs because of that. Mm-hmm. And at that point, when my, uh, boss told us that we were going to be uh, losing our jobs, I don't know, Dr. Lindsay, but I felt this sense of relief and maybe we'll take into that. I felt that mm-hmm. I, I, it was so weird, but I felt this sense of relief. Like finally I've been let go. Finally, Ooh. I've been, I finally, like I have freedom to walk away from this mm-hmm. and, and not have anybody question why I left or why, why I left science or why I left the academy, you know, and I was just actually having a conversation with um, a cousin of mine yesterday who is in the academy and she's been in the academy for years. And we were just chatting and I was like, I don't want to be in academia. Mm. And she said, you know, Gertrude, if you don't want to be there, you shouldn't be there because it's not worth it. Tenure is not worth mm. the, the depression and burnout. Um, and if you don't want to be there, then you don't have to be there. So I think that, you know, just hearing that I wasn't going to be having my job anymore, even though I knew that that was going to be um, a, diff- a different transition or di- it hasn't been a difficult transition, but a different transition that, I, I fully embraced it. And um, yeah, so that's a rundown of my academic background and how I came to be doing, running my business currently um, on a full-time basis. Yeah. So let's talk about, we're definitely going to come back to your, uh, the sense of relief that you felt, mm-hmm. but I think that there's a couple steps ahead of that, that has to do with you starting, um, a side hustle. And right. I know you and I touched on it a little bit at Pat's event. So bring us to those moments. Like what made you decide to do some freelance work? Mm-hmm. Um, and where'd you even get that idea from? And so that kind of those early stages of, of that, uh, business of yours that you have now. Oh, this is such a good question. And this goes, <laughs> such a great question. And it goes, actually goes back to, I want to say 2012. Okay. And it, yes, it all started out in uh, 2012. Um, I got married in t- uh, 2011. And right after we got married, you know, I realized that as a grad student, my stipend wasn't really supporting our family mm-hmm. very well. <laughs> and my husband was working, but then he also lost his job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was tough financially for us, you yeah. know, 
And so I was like, okay, what, uh, what is something I can do to generate extra income? Mm -hmm. Like what are some things we can do? So I started looking online and, um, I, first of all, I came across this, this random video on affiliate marketing. Ah, and when I saw it, I was like, what? Like people like post links and people click through and then they get paid. <laughs> what is that? Like, what yeah. is this world? So, so a whole new world. I just typed in, I, I think I went to Craigslist cause I, I, I had, oh, interesting. Um, yes, I had gone to Craigslist to look for like maybe some weekend jobs, maybe I could do cleaning in somebody's house or I could babysit somebody's baby so I could get extra money. But I didn't find that. But somebody had posted a link to a video that he made about affiliate marketing. I was like, what's that? And and against my better judgment, clicked through and found (laughs) out that there was this thing called affiliate marketing. And then I went into Google or YouTube, I can't remember which, and typed in what is affiliate marketing. So this Uh video comes up and it's actually a a lady who has been on YouTube for like 11 years now Mm -hmm. Lisa Irby, and she was talking about it. So she was one of the OGs of, Mm. you know, blogging and affiliate marketing. And so I watched her video and at the end of it, I think I binge watched a few of her videos. And at the end of it, I was like, what in the world? Like there's a whole world out there where you can make money without a job because my whole life, I only knew go to school, get a degree and get a job. This is all I knew. Literally. I didn't know that people were out here working on their own and making and generating income. So I, so that was what really triggered my interest. Mm -hmm. And I began to research into it. So, but then it wasn't until, and so actually after I watched that video, I started my own blog. I I don't have that blog anymore. I started my own blog where I was just trying to test things out and see how, you know, everything goes. Um, And then in 2014, I had a baby. Um, and once you have a baby, (laughs) (laughs) yes, you realize that you have to take it. Now it's not just about you. Mm. You have to take care of another human being. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's when I get, I got super serious about, okay, this has to work. This making money online thing has to work. Mm -hmm. At that point, I had been playing around with a blog. I had seen the potential. I had learned how to build an email list. I had learned how to go on Upwork. Like even though like it's two years sounds like a long time, but it really isn't. But it did take me a long, you know, that that two years was like me really learning the foundations of online business and online Mm -hmm. marketing and all this stuff and how to even create content that people will read. Mm-hmm. So it was in 2014, I created my first Udemy course and that started generating yeah. me some income. Now, when we moved to uh, San Diego in 2015 mm-hmm. um, and I started my postdoc, <laughs> I got my first paycheck and all, almost all of it went to rent mm-hmm. um, because San Diego is pretty pricey. And yep. I remember, I remember crying and I remember telling my husband, I can't believe I have a PhD Mm. and all my paycheck or like half of my paycheck has to go to, like I'm broke at the end of the month still. Like I cannot believe this. And it was at that point that I realized that this whole idea of go to school and get a degree, it's true to a large extent, but it's not the whole truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been generating extra income from, um, from, from Udemy for a little bit, but then I started to, that was when I started freelance. So October, 2015, I got my first social media freelancing client. And that was my big break into the world of freelancing. And ever since then I've generated thousands of dollars each month. It's always bought in about, I want to say 50 to 60% of my paycheck as a postdoc, which was huge, right? Because that was just like me giving myself a 50 Mm. or 60% raise every single month just by having a freelance business. So that's how I got started with that. And so I had been building that as a side hustle since 2015. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, at at this point, I want to say to anybody that's listening to this podcast, this is why having a side hustle is so important because it doesn't matter your educational level. It doesn't matter who you are. Anything can happen, right? It may not be even be a job loss, but it could be that for some reason, you're no longer able to work in mm-hmm. your in, in the mm-hmm. institution you're working in, you know? And what do you have to fall back on, you know? Yep. Um, so, so for me, starting a side hustle, and that's why, you know, most of my content um, on my blog and on YouTube, I talk a lot about starting a side hustle and why you need to have a side hustle. And I've been talking about that for the past three years, uh, since the end of 2015. And I've been freelancing as well. 
I love and, that Gertrude. Um, Can I pause you yeah. for a second? Because yes, this yes, is ma'am. really important. <laughs> um, yeah. I, what I've noticed too in the 30 plus interviews I've done so far is that usually there's a life shift, right? Mm-hmm, Some sort mm-hmm. of event that triggers this. So for you, it was your son that made you recognize like, oh, like I got to get a little more serious about this. And sometimes yeah. it's an illness. You know, other times it's, you know, it feels a little more out of your hands because something does happen to the institution or your job, potentially even if you have tenure. And I think people, mm-hmm. I, what I'm recognizing, at, at, at least with a few of my guests, is they're realizing that like, yeah, we kind of decided to, we decided to get the job, the professor, the tenure because of the stability, but then it isn't really as stable as we think in the end. Yes. And so, and so you basically are, are just, you know, tooting the horn of you should have a side hustle because you mm-hmm. never know what else could happen. And right. um, I love that. And I think part of what I realized starting a business. And for me, it's funny. I don't know that I thought of it as a side hustle. Maybe we can dig into that a little bit, but like Mm -hmm. I kind of accidentally started a business and found the space in my job as a professor, because we do have a lot of autonomy. Um, I was able to create an income on the side. And then I was like, Oh, I don't need to do this anymore. And, and there's Mm -hmm. something about, us doing that, that makes us realize that we're taking our time back from the institution. We're taking our power back in so many ways. And so then you get to make decisions about what department meetings you go to, what committees you sign up for, because now you're not dependent on them for those stipends, the extra courses, that kind of stuff as a way to make money. You basically gave yourself a raise. I love that language. Yeah. 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 Yep. 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 So let's talk a little bit about that. mm -hmm. I'm curious. So you you definitely were like, this is a side hustle. I'm making money on the side. Did you imagine? So because I do want to get into this where you're saying that it felt like a sense of relief. Did you mm-hmm. imagine that you were going to do a side hustle just kind of forever? And you're like, look, the institution doesn't pay me enough. Um, this side hustle could work and is 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 helping me make ends meet and hopefully a little more. So did you envision it or did you kind of not allow yourself to think about going full time as a, as an entrepreneur? Tell me your thought process, um, after like during your postdoc as your business is growing. Yeah. So, so it's many different things, right? That question is so loaded. I feel like it's Mm -hmm. so many things, um, because on the one hand, right, there's this sense of when you jump, um, your for yourself. When you, when you decide to take that leap for yourself, Mm -hmm. it is scary, right? Because you're like, now everything depends on me. Like (laughs) if, if I don't wake up and work, I do not like Mm -hmm. you literally, even, even if you're making passive income, you still Mm -hmm. have to wake up and work. Like you still Mm -hmm. have to put out content. You still have to write the blog post so that people can click on the affiliate links, right? It's not really passive. It's not really (laughs) passive. I mean, it's passive in the sense that you create it once and it works for you forever, but you still have to keep on creating. Right. Um, so I, you know, I think that was a fear that kind of for a while made you not go, made me not go all in because I was like, but what if I can't pay my health insurance? But what if my clients, um, decide that they don't, because, you know, as a freelancer and as a blogger, like their months, it's, it's some, it can be sometimes feast or famine, right. And where you have a really, really good month. And then there's another month that's just okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, but, but still that fear of being responsible for myself for a long time held me back. That was one. Mm -hmm. Number two, I think I was afraid of what friends and family would say, like, why are you leaving? Like, because for you to understand my background a little bit, I, I'm an African immigrant. Mm -hmm. I grew up in an African family and in African families, education is everything Mm -hmm. because an education is seen as the, the, the thing that will get Mm -hmm. you out of poverty, the thing that will make people respect you, the Mm -hmm. thing that will finally make people see that you count in this world. Mm -hmm. So everything hinges on education. Right. And so I think that mindset and that, um, ideology that education is everything and you should be grateful that your family supported mm-hmm. you through this PhD process. I think that also held me back because 
and no, I don't want to say help me back in a negative way because I know that my my family really does love me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also made me feel like, well, if I make the jump, then I'm disappointing everybody else. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. And yes, and that makes me, even as I'm talking right now, that makes me really emotional because mm-hmm. I know how much every single one of my family members, my husband, my son, even my parents, my siblings, I know how much all of them have had to sacrifice mm-hmm. and put in for me to get to this point. Mm-hmm. So quitting and mm-hmm. saying, oh, well, today I'm a writer and I'm going to like do this bohemian thing over here. Not say anything <laughs> wrong about bohemians, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to yeah. be, I'm going to make I, money online. I'm going to just make money <laughs> online. Yeah. That to me mm-hmm. felt like I was letting my family down. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, my husband is super supportive of my online business. He has been from the, be- from the very beginning, but I just felt I was letting everybody down and mm-hmm. I didn't want that to happen. So th- that's the second thing that was holding me back. Um, and then, yeah, so I think I talked about that. It's like, I've touched on that fear and then the fear of also disappointing family mm-hmm. and the fear of not making enough money um, mm-hmm. to, to be able to live. But then, but then, no, I wasn't going to stay side hustling forever. That's mm-hmm. the answer to, I think ultimately that's the answer to the question is no, I wanted to be able to build it to that point where when I was going to make the leap, I could say to people, Hey, look guys, it's yeah. not that bad. Yeah. I'm making, I'm actually making more than my full-time mm-hmm. income. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I wanted to build it to that point. And I almost got to that point just before the mm-hmm. the, the layoff. <laughs> um, but it's good because now I can get more time to, to work. But but yeah, Dr. Lindsay, I think those are all the things, the factors that played into me not making the jump earlier. Um, and just also, you know, just, I just didn't want to let down my family, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that is completely understandable. Like, um, Amy Walsh's episode, which was released um, a, a, like two episodes ago for this recording, but I don't remember what number it is, but she's an artist and she was an art professor. She talked about this idea of like prestige and status that, mm-hmm. um, and that comes up for me, right? Like earning that place in society that is respected um, in a society that doesn't respect, unfortunately, right? Like immigrants, African immigrants, like, I mean, we can go down the list of, 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 yeah. of how we've set up our global economy and, and how that impacts, you know, where you're from um, and how that mm-hmm. impacts your family. And, and they must be so proud of you uh, for everything you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. So for you to just kind of push it aside, you know, that's, that's a, a way deeper, um, uh, you know, thing that you're negotiating identity wise, um, you know, self, self, you know, understanding, I mean, all those different things. So um, that's amazing that you were even building a side income, because I look at this, and it's like, wow, you, you did the postdoc, you got the postdoc job, that's not easy. Um, (laughs) And then, and then you're building a business on the side of doing research. Um, And then, yeah, Mm -hmm. then the institution doesn't fund you anymore. And now you have this chance to really flourish in something that gives you even more freedom for your family. And you're still, you still have a PhD, it doesn't go away. Um, It's just Mm -hmm. now maybe you're not working yeah. Now it does change, right? In the cocktail conversation yeah. of being like, oh yeah, I'm a, you know, a postdoc research fellow at this whatever. And now it's like, mm-hmm. I sell stuff online. It's like, hmm. I know, I know, I know. It's quite know. an exchange. It's, it's, it, it is an exchange. It is mm-hmm. a huge exchange. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's like, so what are you, because my mom is the one that's usually like, so what are you going to tell people you do? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm going to tell them I'm a writer because yeah. that's, <laughs> you're like, that uh, the sounds, thing I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that sounds like it's a little bit more, but yeah, but, but mm-hmm. I, I do believe that pre- there's so much prestige attached to, yeah. you know, a PhD and for a lot of families, the prestige of having a doctor in their family mm-hmm. or having, uh, you know, somebody with a PhD, of course, my, my, I kind of have a, and I also have a, like a big um, example to live up to because my dad sure. was was it was a PhD is a PhD and mm-hmm. was in you know in research and at the academy for a long long time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for years and so I remember people even comparing me to him at one point and saying oh you you're going to become just like your dad and I'm like please don't say that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because it's almost like I did not live up to that. Um, and that can be, that can be, um, it can do a lot to your psychology, you know, for sure. 
hey, you're bigger than that. You're doing even more. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I look at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but you had it side by side. I wake up almost every day and be like, running a business is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because of I, all that I, pressure that you're outlining, yeah. like the, I think it has to do with like what we conceive of as labor, right? And mm -hmm. where our money is coming from and how it's coming through us in just mm -hmm. such a different way than when you're getting paid by an institution. It is completely a different, like, like mental, I don't even know, understanding of, of money, making money, what the, uh, yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. And it, and I think, and that, I mean, that comes to, kind of the difficult things about business too. Um, mm -hmm. how, how probably like 90% of it is a mind game. And you could argue mm -hmm. too, getting a PhD, you know, 90% is a mind game. Um, yes. you know, a lot of people <laughs> don't finish that, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it puts you through the ringer in a different way. Um, so I'd like to hear a little bit about maybe some of the Let's talk about a little bit about some of the struggles with running a business. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe anything, anything in the early stages of you trying to make money online, what, what you struggled with, and then maybe currently too, like what you're currently mm -hmm. working on um, and uh, what's difficult about it. Because I do like to paint like a realistic, you did highlight the ups and downs and feast and famine mm -hmm. of having, you know, clients and stuff like that. So, right. so yeah, if you could tap into that a little bit. Yeah. So the difficulty of, of building an online business or building a business in general, I think, you know, you dealing with your emotions, mm -hmm. <laughs> dealing with your emotions, right? Dealing with yep. your emotions on a daily basis. Every because yep. I think on the one hand, right, we're so, I'm so grateful for the freedom I'm enjoying right now. Yep. I'm so grateful that I can decide to wake up two hours before my son and work for, mm. you know, two or three hours and be done for the and day so, I, and, mm -hmm. and I, so that I can be with him for the rest of the day. Like, I'm really grateful. I'm grateful that I was able to go to his end of school party. I'm grateful that I was, mm. a, you know, I'm able to take him to the beach in the middle of the day yesterday, mm -hmm. you know, so I'm grateful for those little things. However, um, I think dealing with your emotions every day, yeah. dealing with the fact that, oh, you know, you submitted some work and your client hasn't paid you yet, yeah. or um, yeah. dealing with the fact that you created a piece of content that you thought was the bomb <laughs> and it really bombed. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it was, you thought it was the bomb in a good way. And then it really did bomb, but you know, yep. Yep. <laughs> where nobody, nobody watched the video, nobody commented, yep. nobody um, clicked through the affiliate links, nobody did anything. I'm yeah. so dealing with those emotions, but I think I was reading an email that um, somebody I follow had sent today and he was talking about how there were there were these blog posts that they had worked on for like 40 hours and put out yeah. and nobody like it was like crickets mm -hmm. and then there was a blog post they did for, they, they worked on for two hours and like like that was the one that everybody paid attention to so, so i think yeah. yeah i think as entrepreneurs realizing that you know you need to be flexible and yep. not really like just tied to your ideas. So married to your ideas so much that you're mm. not willing to let it go because you think that's the thing that's going to work. Mm. And the re with my little experience, that's not true. Like most of the things that you think are going to work, I probably know the things that are going to work. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and some things that may, you know, may work because they've, they've been proven models on how to set, for instance, sure. you know, people want to launch a course, right. And, mm -hmm. and they launch the course and they're super excited because they think they hit all the, the nails on the head. This has happened to me. Um, and then everybody's like, Oh, that's amazing. And then they don't buy it, right? They don't want it. Then, <laughs> yeah. then they because they yeah. don't want it. Yeah. And then I write this ebook. This actually happened to me. I launched a course and it was like, eh. Then mm -hmm. I launched a book and everybody was buying that. Mm -hmm. And it was the same content in the course. <laughs> so obviously, mm -hmm. so obviously they didn't want the course, but they wanted they they did buy the ebook. Yep. Um so sometimes the thing that you think you've put so much time into, so much thought into, you think it's so great, may not work. And that plays on your emotions. Yeah. But one of the things that I've um, come to realize is that you need to be able to take a step back and say, okay, this thing did not work. Why didn't it work? Yep. Um, what can I do next time to make it better yep. and, and not get too attached to it and move on, yep. you know, cause as I blog a lot and I do, I do video on, on YouTube and there are times where I put up videos and I've thought that this 
is going to be amazing. <laughs> and then, you know, and then it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so not being married to uh, your idea helps to tone down the, um, the, the bad feelings you get with, you know, with emotions. Um, I, I talked about the kind of feast of famine already. Mm-hmm. I think also um, knowing that, you know, we all have people that depend on us and, um, you know, we want to be able to not disappoint them. We, we want to be able to not let them down. So that whole thing of, as you wake up in the morning, am I going to let down my family today? Mm-hmm. Am I going to let down people today? Am I going to let down my students? Am I going to let down, um, you know, people that buy my course or people that follow me? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've come to realize is that sometimes as human beings, I think we make things worse than they seem yep. Yep. In, our, in our heads. We make up these like elaborate scenarios that really are not the truth. And mm-hmm. it's just a lie in our heads. And yet we really believe it, right? That's our reality because we really, really believe it. And then later you find out that there are people that are so in love with you and there are people that mm-hmm. love your content mm-hmm. and people that will will actually like email you to say, yep. hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. What's going on? Yep. Um, and people that will say, hey, gee, you know, like one this one time. So one of the things that I do personally is that from time to time, um, I will um, email my email list and tell them, hey guys, I want to just chat with like five of you or 10 of mm. you. And so um, if you would love to just chat with me and just say hi, I just want to get to know. It's my way of getting to I know my that. audience. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just want to do that, you know, just you know, hit this scheduling button and we'll just schedule a call. And I just get on a call with them for like 30 minutes and we just chat. Yeah. And I remember one day there was this one girl I got on the phone with her and we were just chatting, you know, cause, and this was, you know, coming off of one of those times when I was like, I'm letting my audience down, you know, and I'm talking to her and she's, she's coding. Like I couldn't even remember stuff I had written in a blog post mm. and she's coding stuff I've written in a blog post before I to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that sounds like I'm an amazing writer. <laughs> Who said that? Yeah. <laughs> Who said that? That sounds so smart. But she yep. was quoting something I ha- I had written, mm-hmm. you know? So sometimes we make out scenarios to make them seem like they're so much more worse than they are. Um, and, you know, I just want to say that the, it's probably not the truth. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. probably not the truth. It's, you're probably doing just fine, but... Um, you know, you're thinking that um, nobody, nobody's going to enjoy it. No one's then the listening, last, no one's no watching, one is, yeah, no one's consuming. Yeah. 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 And, and I think we also get caught up. I've gotten caught up in perfection mm. where I'm like, you know, recently I, I was beginning to launch um, more into speaking. And mm. so I was like, okay, um, I'm, I'm going to do that, but I don't have that many Instagram followers. Yeah. <laughs> As if that's because, the marker of good speeches. Right, and yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I feel bad telling these people I'm a YouTuber because they're only like literally 500 subscribers on my YouTube right now. Mm-hmm. I feel ter- so, so I think that a lot of us do want things to be, oh, I want to have 10,000 subscribers and I want to have mm. um, a million followers on Instagram. And then, and then I would have arrived. And then yep. that is when people are going to accept me. Mm. Um, but then, um, I realized that that is also not true. That's yeah. also a huge lie. Um, and I don't know why I'm going on this, this journey no, of it's all good. the lies. You know what's <laughs> funny? I'm thinking about this and this is definitely the next question about how running yeah. a business is like being in the academy. But mm-hmm. I felt the same way about like, yeah, getting the doctorate. Like, and right. then I will have made it. Oh, well, actually, then when I get my full-time job. Oh, and then when I get right. tenure. And then and then you get there and you're like, oh, this is it? <laughs> when there's nothing else. Yeah. Um, that's what I found. But yeah, we can easily get in that trap of things will be better when this happens. And right. then unfortunately, you're not living in that very present moment of like yes. just being... Uh, grateful for where you are right now. Um, I was watching a Facebook live of a coach that I follow and he's really good with mindset stuff. And he said something like, think back to where you were a year ago. Mm -hmm. What you're doing right now was what that person would have been so excited to be doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is so true. And then I was literally like the type of business owner I am right now. Some of the changes we've made 
you know, just in this year, this, you know, the first half of the year have been huge, monumental. I was like begging for that a year ago. And I was still so set in, oh, but I'm not hitting this revenue month, or I don't, I'm not doing Mm -hmm. this, or I'm not doing that. And then you just get so wrapped up in when it's the number of subscribers, when it, I mean, we could add any metric. um, Mm -hmm. And it's always about that forward, you know, then you will be happy. And it's like, oh, that's a dangerous, dangerous thought. That's a dangerous, yeah, it really is. It really, really is. And, you know, as you're saying this, like I'm I'm getting super excited because this is actually an email I wrote to my email list Mm. recently. I was like, you can't, you can't just... So many of us will obsess over the fact that we don't have 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. And yet there are a hundred people watching you who love you. Who love you. And yeah. who, are, who are looking forward to you putting out your next video. And yet we're worrying about the 9,900 9, <laughs> that right. are not yet on there, you know? Yeah. And and um, for me, I think being an entrepreneur, that has taught me a lot. And also being, you know, let's connect the two because I want to maybe talk about the academy a little bit and then tie that into business. Right. So yeah, I I read this article whilst I was in grad school about the imposter syndrome and women who had PhDs. Mm -hmm. And, and I was so surprised to find that very high achieving women who have PhDs, who have sometimes even won prizes and been published in prestigious journals would still feel a sense of being an imposter. Mm. And to me, that was, I was like, what? It's like, they feel that? And, mm. and, and realizing that they are, we're just, human beings, we're just the same. You know what yep, I'm saying? Yep. Like we all have very, very similar emotions. So when I read that, I, I think what I took from that was, okay, well, first of all, everybody goes through that, right? Yep. And I remember when I, during my postdoc, one day I actually told this, I told somebody, I, the, I, the way I realized this fear was not gone was I talked to somebody and I was like, do you know that there are days where I feel like somebody's going to come over, to like fly over from Temple University and come to, to San Diego and say, okay, Gertrude, hand over your, your diploma. Mm. We are taking your PhD from you because mm. you don't mm. deserve it. Like I literally, there were days where I felt like somebody, like any moment now, somebody's going to, somebody's going to catch me. Somebody's going to come to my door and knock on my door and take away my PhD. Mm. And it took me, you know, I know that sounds almost like it's crazy, but I think that dynamic also moves over into business where, where like, oh my goodness, I'm not Pat Flynn. And, yep. and, and then you're like, well, we all can be Pat Flynn because Pat Flynn is Pat Flynn yeah. and you are you, right? Mm-hmm. And, and oh my goodness, I can't build a business like this person. Like literally this morning I was thinking, okay, what about me is so unique that that, because I think a lot of us get caught up in trying to build businesses like other people oh, yeah. that we see. Yep. So you'll see somebody who has you know, a big following, or you see somebody that seems to be doing really well, and that's who you want to be like. But the truth is that you have unique skills and you have unique abilities and you have unique knowledge. I mean, shoot, like having a PhD, right? okay, that that shows the world you are a a world-class learner. I I feel Mm. like getting a PhD tells everybody that you are a world-class learner. And if anything, you know how to learn and you can teach people how to learn. But I think we get, I have gotten lost in that where Mm. I'm like, oh my God, my PhD doesn't matter. And yet, Mm. yes, it does. Yes, it does. And it does everything. All those feelings do translate over to your business where you have to decide, okay, I'm going to look at my greatness. I'm going to look at the things that are awesome about me. And I'm going to pull all those things into my business and ignore all this other noise out here because all this other noise out here is just a distraction and keeping me from walking in my greatness. And oh my goodness, when I started to, to recognize that, I realized I don't have to build my business like everybody else. I can build my business my way with the skills that I have with my personality and people are going to be drawn to that. So yes. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I just want to say right there. Um, I love that. And part of, you know, what came up for me a little bit as I heard you talking is especially bringing up the academic women who are super high achievers, but not seeing themselves as such. I feel like there isn't a lot of personal development that happens in the academic space. Like we talk a little bit about a, imposter syndrome in that space, but it. I don't know. I I don't think I really ever got it. And it wasn't until I was an entrepreneur that I started to 
kind of come to those same realizations that you did too, where it's that external validation that we're all searching for is like Mm -hmm. part of why I became an academic. But Mm -hmm. then it was messing with me a little bit in my business. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I'm trying to achieve things based on other people's metrics or markers or standards and not my own standards. Like it's just me against myself, really. And so until I own that, and like you said, walking in your greatness, then you can really create from this space of not of like not needing to prove anything to anyone else. Like when you let go of all of that, that's when you can really step into what you're meant to do or what your skills and talents uh, will create for you. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm right there with you. Yay. So fun. See, this is why you need to hang out with people like us. We just have a great time. I mean, you know, I love it. What you just brought up is so Mm. interesting. I don't mean to. Yeah. What you brought up is so interesting about academic women and Mm. academics in general and and personal development. And I feel like that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, but I I feel especially like in, in, in science, because that's mm, my background. Yes. People are so logical thinking yeah. that they're like, oh, that is for people that have problems. Mm, you know, literally, they will tell you, they, they will mm. let you know, like, this is for people that are depressed and have yep. problems. Yep. We are not depressed. We are high achieving people and we don't need therapy, basically. Yeah. Minus um, that all their PhDs <laughs> are like overworked. They're sad. Like, yeah, Masha talked a lot about that too. We de- It's denial. There's denial of... Um, there's a mental toughness that is expected of you as an academic. And, and I could see how getting deeper into some of the sciences, it's even more prominent. Um, I'm from the social sciences, so we have a little space for emotions. But in general, <laughs> it's always rationality trumps everything else. Um, because that's what academics is. Um, my whole research was on how that's not true, but, um, mm-hmm. but I love that because yeah, they, it's basically a way of being that you're expected to basically tolerate, I would say. And then if you don't do it, you're just not cut out for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and there's a, it, there's a lot of pain. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of pain. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of pain. Yeah. So I would love to, um, how do you think that as we talk about how they're parallel in some of the like maybe negative ways, what are some of the skill sets that you bring from your academic background, your research, your training, your, your, you know, becoming an excellent learner that you find is Mm -hmm. really actually helping you, um, in building your business? Right. So I, I think that because I'm a writer, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the ability to find stuff, mm-hmm. because not everybody knows how to find stuff or find credible um, sources, Please. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Credible sources, because as I, I see a lot of content out there. So, you know, just to kind of play on fake news, you sure. know, which has been, <laughs> which it. has trended <laughs> for a little bit. So, so, you know, the, the idea that there's fake news out there, right? Why does that exist? That exists because sometimes we don't check facts, right? We don't, we don't make sure that the fact that we're coding is from a credible source. Mm. And so for me in my writing, because most of my income does come from um, freelance writing, um, in, in my writing, I make sure that when I'm coding something, it is, it is the original source. I'm not quoting what somebody else said. I'm going back and finding the original article, the original mm-hmm. research it came from so that when I'm, and, and I link to that, right? Yep. So that whenever somebody goes and reads that piece of content, they're not saying, well, where does this come from? No, when they mm-hmm. click through that link, they get back to the original research paper where so that important. was stated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, so important um, for me as a, as a writer to be able to, to, to present accurate research and accurate facts so that it's not he said, she said, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, that is one skill that has been super helpful to me in my business. Another skill, um, of course, you have to write your, your PhD dissertation and you have to write papers. And so just bringing that skill of knowing how to lay out content, mm-hmm. knowing how to introduce something and then go into why you believe that that is true and, you know, and just developing a hypothesis and yep, defending it with key. your points. Yep. That is, that is key, right? Mm-hmm. So formulating a hypothesis telling us why you think your hypothesis is true or not true. Mm -hmm. What are the facts 
the research that you're using to back what you're stating up, like I, I just I just mentioned, going back and linking to those um, pieces of research. And so those are the skills for me as a writer, right? That has been a skill that has been super helpful. Um, I haven't done a lot of speaking um, engagements, mm. but I find also that presenting as a yep. PhD student yep. and knowing that, okay, I have to give lab meeting in a month. Mm-hmm. And so keeping me on my toes and making sure that I have the data to be able to show people and be able to present and present it in a way that somebody that does not know my topic can understand is also helpful to me in presenting because when I speak to people, then I want to be able to explain things to them in such a way that if they've never even heard of my research, they can understand, like make it understandable. You don't have to use big terms for, for people to to, you don't have to make people sleep. <laughs> you have to explain things to people mm-hmm. and let them understand in layman's terms, right? Yep. And so that skill, um, I also brought over for my PhD. And I think that is, um, that has been helpful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I We're just a couple steps ahead of people who've never done something like that before. Um, right. For right. sure. And, it, and yeah, it's part of our training and part of what it means to to be a teacher, an academic, a researcher. I love that. Do you find that it was hard for you to translate academic style writing into kind of a blogging style writing? Or did that feel easy for you once you kind of figured out like a formula? It was easy Mm. because the reason and the reason, and I know it's not easy for everybody. Yeah. It was easy, but I was still very wordy. I want to say that I wasn't concise with my statements sometimes. And when you're writing for the internet, you have to be concise with your statements and not like, write Like something that people are like, wait, I need to go back and read the the sentence before that, (laughs) (laughs) which is what happens when sometimes when you're reading research papers, it's like, wait, they made the statement, but let me go back and read. No. Um, so writing for the internet is really, really different. But for me, because I had started out reading other people's blogs prior to starting my own blog, right. Prior to starting my own blog, because I was telling the story, how I was watching other people's videos and such. I, I got the sense of the language that people resonate with. Um, I found out how I could make that my own. Also, um, I've always liked to write. Like when I was a kid, I used to write like little short stories and, Mm. and plays. And so taking that, like all that skill, right. Taking all of that from my childhood and having this, I guess, innate gift for writing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to do that. And so I was able to bring all those skills plus my PhD into that um, so that I write, I think at this point, <laughs> I am um, a lot of my writing is such that when people read, they do hear my voice mm. in the in my writing where they would mm-hmm. be like, oh yeah, Gertrude would totally say that in person. Mm. Um, and, and, and I've met people, I've met people in my audience who have told me, oh, you talk just like you write. Oh, that's the um, best, yes. And that's the best, right? Yep. That's really nice because you never know until you get feedback. Um, so that's really true. getting that feedback that you you talk like you write was helpful. But it, it's, it's a number of things. The PhD helped, but I also had this creative writing um, background when mm-hmm. I was a kid. So, mm-hmm. you know, tying all of that in plus reading other people's books really gave me a good idea of what works for the internet. I love it. It's very cool. And it sounds like it's something you're currently teaching. Uh, So tell us a little bit about what your business looks like now. Um, Maybe some of the changes that you've made along the way, but like what are kind of your current income streams Um, just so we can get like a snapshot of the life that you've created and the business you've created. Right. So right now, most, um, I think I mentioned that most of my business does come from freelance writing for clients. Um, and so I do freelance write for clients, um, do in you, the healthcare um, space, in the healthcare Sorry. space, I was going to say, do you specialize in something? Yes. Is it, yeah. Cool. Yes. Most, most of my clients are in the healthcare space. Cool. Um, and so I'm writing for these types of clients. Um, I also have the blog, um, my online bizjourney.com where, um, yes. So it, it started out as my way of sharing my online business with people and mm-hmm. my online business journey with people. Um, and so I have that blog and And so I also make money from affiliates um, on there. So people do click through different things that I put up and I make money that way. I do have a few courses on Udemy and Skillshare. um, And so that is also bringing me some, I don't have, I I took a lot of my courses off of um, these platforms, but I still have, I think, 
one course on each or two courses on each platform. So oh, this, this, this gen too. yeah, mm-hmm. it just brings in like a trickle of income from time to time. And then a, a few ads, some of the ads I have on my blog also bring in oh, money. Nice. So it's like, it's really multiple sources of income. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, the, that's part of the business. And then on YouTube, I teach people how to start freelance businesses. And so oh, I talk cool. a lot about freelancing. Um, I also talk uh, I'm a little bit about social media and how to use that to build your For own sure. platform, right? Because that's important. Even if you're a freelancer that is going to be locked down in a basement and write all day, um, you still... <laughs> you, I, you make I, it I, sound so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I still think I still think that having a personal brand is important yeah. and building a personal... Now it's so easy to build a personal so brand mm-hmm. because we have all the platforms we have youtube mm. we have instagram we have facebook whatever it just depends on you what platform do you want to use and where and most likely so i think you know most people worry like oh am i is my audience on this platform most likely your audience is there yeah, um, yeah most more than likely your audience mm-hmm. is there just get on it and start mm-hmm. you know just get on it of course um you know there are certain specific niches where maybe you may need to be on linkedin or if sure. you need to reach a, a, a much younger demographic you may need to go on Snapchat or Instagram. Yep. So yep. of course those are important, but for the most part, like a, a, a platform like Facebook or YouTube, you can reach just about anybody on there, you know? So I also teach a little bit of that and, and, you know, how you can build your own social media presence or your own online presence and leverage that to build your business. Oh, I love that. So uh, folks, if you're listening and that's what you need, uh, hit Dr. G up on YouTube. What's your YouTube channel? Yes, my YouTube channel is G Nontra. So G-E-E um, and then my last name, N-O-N-T-E-R-H. So if you just type in G Nontra, you should find my videos. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm putting out videos every Monday and Wednesday and I may, be, I may be doing three times, but for now I'm sticking to two times a week. And now we have IGTV officially. So yes, are you yes. going to repurpose? I'm not, I'm actually not repurposing. I am actually creating a daily vlog that is separate from my YouTube channel. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So it's, it. it's going to be just a purely a daily vlog where people get to see behind the scenes of what I'm doing. Smart. So we got an Instagram handle then too. The, yes. Yeah. At Jean Entra. Cool. Same. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my, my handles are the same on Twitter, Instagram, at Jean Entra, um, Facebook, YouTube, everything. And we'll definitely put all those links below in the show notes. We'll give you all the all the access to her. Um, I'm thinking, uh, G, that I would like to have you in my membership community for academics. I don't um, I don't know if you were able to be in my Facebook group yet, but there's a lot of people asking questions about starting consulting businesses, getting their first clients. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're all academics and they all have amazing skill sets, but it, it is about getting kind of those first few clients. It's that's such an important part of the process. So I might have you come in as a guest expert. Yeah, that would be awesome. That yeah, would be I will awesome. circle back on that one for sure. Um, <laughs> it's been such a pleasure having you on. This was so fun. I loved hearing your story and your reflection and congratulations on, you know, even though, you know, the funding ran out, congratulations on being really confident in your business and taking this leap um, because it's scary. And this is mm-hmm. pretty exciting what you're up to. So I can't wait to see where you are a year from now. Yes, absolutely. I'm super excited. I'm super awesome. excited. Hopefully I can come back and talk about that. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll have a where are they now? Episode. That's actually now? a great idea. <laughs> Writing that one down. Um, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. We always need to check on that. I think yeah. just in general, like, yeah. like I was saying, you know, earlier, like the year ago, me would have been like, so grateful for everything happening. So very yeah. cool. Well, thanks for stopping by. And I will Thank definitely you. see you at Pat Flynn's event. We'll definitely uh, IG stories each other or something. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 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 Thanks, cool. Dr. Lindsay. This was such a pleasure to do. So fun. 